Welcome. You're about to listen to a teaching of the Foursquare Gospel Church, VGC District. At Foursquare, we believe in the transformation of communities through the multiplication of disciples, leaders, churches, and movements. May your hearts be blessed and transformed as you listen. Please. I thank the leadership of VGC Foursquare for inviting me. Uh, Brother Peter Medaj is a personal friend. That's the way I call him. I know he's your pastor and reverend. I only call him reverend or district overseer when I'm not happy with him. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, we have a number of friends in this church. My wife is here with me, and we pray that by the mercies of God, this will be a, a mutually benefiting service in Jesus' name. Amen. We are talking about complete father. And I tried to check the scriptures whether I would see a very clear example of a complete father. Well, I'm still searching. Praise the Lord. We're going to read three scriptures this morning. We're going to read Joshua, I mean, Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. We're reading verses 28 and 29. We're equally going to read Isaiah chapter 32, verse 15. And I've chosen to add Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. So I don't know why it's done here. I wish it could be beamed so that I can see that you can read the scriptures. Praise the Lord. Joel chapter 2. Somebody can read from the audience. He's not sure yet. Yes. We can go to Isaiah chapter 32. I'll read that. Till the street is poured upon us from on high, mm-hmm. and the desert becomes a fertile field, and the fertile field seems like a forest. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. I'll read that. Genesis 1, 26. Genesis 1, 26. And I read, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. I'd like us to pray. Father, we pray that you attend with us this morning in the name of Jesus. Lord, in your mercy, touch your people. Speak to your people. Enhance your people to the power of your word in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, I'll dwell a lot more on Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, which we have read. There are three, four significant things in that verse. It's God said, let us, suggesting that God was summoning the, the, the heavenly Godhead 
in the creation of man. Say, let us create man in our own image, after our likeness, and let him have dominion. Suggesting that the only way man can have dominion is if he retains God's image, if he's after the likeness of God. The moment we step out of that image and out of that likeness, it becomes very, very difficult for us to have dominion. That is what I, I found very implicit in that message. That the only way man can have dominion is if he retains God's image and if he dwells in God's likeness. And I've chosen to, by the grace of God, to take us through this message in three different ways. One, we're going to look at the profile of some fathers in the Bible. It's good to look at the profile of such fathers in the Bible. Two, we're going to examine the route to complete fatherhood. What, what, how does the scripture gear us towards being a complete father? And thirdly, we're going to look at the expectations from a complete father. What do society, family, what do they expect of somebody who is a complete father? Those are, those are the three areas we're going to be looking at. And the first father I chose is a man that in the scripture, theologians consider as a villain, Adam, the first father, Adam. That's the first person to choose. In, in, in Genesis chapter 2, there was a lot of positive things about Adam. Adam was so aligned with God that the Bible said in chapter 2 verse 19 that when God created every living thing, he brought them to Adam for Adam to make a pronouncement on them, to, to give them a name. And I took particular note of the way it was said in King James. He said, after God had created all these things, he brought them to Adam to see what Adam would call them. Suggesting that God was testing the spirit of Adam, whether it, was, it would be in alignment with that of the Trinity, to see what he would call them. And every time Adam called anything a name, the Bible says that was the name of it. God didn't vary it. That was our aligned spiritually. Adam was with God until chapter 3. Chapter 3 of Genesis, as concerning Adam, is a different story entirely. In chapter 3, that was where he had the fruit of disobedience. And God was unhappy with him. But you know something? God did not cause Adam. God caused what? He caused the ground. God caused, he caused the serpent. He caused the serpent, but God caused the ground. He didn't cause Adam. He said the ground will only bring for him thorns and what? And thistles. That's King James. What of interest to me is what God said in verses 23 and 24. What did God say in 23 and 24? God drove Adam out of the garden. He didn't only drive Adam out of the garden. God installed cherubims to stop him from coming in. And what that tells me is that God started denying Adam and man access to himself. It's the worst thing that can happen to any man. For God to deny you access to who? To himself. Check the scriptures. You see men that God denied access. Somebody like Saul. The Bible said at one time in the life of Saul, Saul was so troubled. The Philistines were arrayed against him. And 
God refused to speak to him. First Samuel chapter 28, I think. You know? The Bible says God refused to speak to, to Saul. He didn't speak to him in dreams. He didn't speak to him in prophecy. He didn't speak to him through the urine. When a man offends God, the first thing God calls off is what? Communication with that man. When you pick newspapers in our country and they speak of ritual murder, harvesting of body parts, those who do such things are made people who, who are in want of God's access to God, but God has denied access and are unwilling to conform with God's way of restoring access. That was the experience of Adam. Adam, Adam offended God, so God blocked access. We can examine our lives as men and women in this church. Do you have access to him? Can you call on him? You know, the Bible says, call on me in the day of what? Trouble. And I'll do what? For only for those who have access. The worst thing that can happen to a man is for you not to have access to God. To call him in the day of trouble and God refused to answer. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 28 says, it says, it says, they will call me and I will not answer. They will seek me early and I will do what? They will not find me. It's tragic. You don't want to be in that situation. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 15. It says, when you spread your hands, I will do what? I hide my eyes from you. When you say many prayers, I will do what? I will not hear. That's for somebody who God has denied access. It's the worst thing that can happen to a man for God to deny you access. The second father we're going to be looking at is Noah. Oh, very complimentary things were said about Noah in the scriptures. Genesis 6 verse 8 says, Noah found grace before the Lord. You know, for a man to have found grace before God. Genesis 6 verse 9 was encomium spoiled on Noah, a man, just man. They call him a just man. They called him what? A perfect man in all his generation. And that was a generation that's not very different from the Nigerian generation. Very corrupt. And the Bible says equally violent. That's our country. Very corrupt and very violent. And yet, Noah was just and perfect in all his generation. The Bible says further about Noah that he did everything that God commanded him to do. Everything. Check the scriptures. He did everything that God commanded him to do. That God chose him to be, to produce a new generation of men. He followed God's instruction in building the ark. He got species of living things that God wanted in the ark. He got them into the ark. If you check verse chapter 8 of the same, of, of, of Genesis, what God said about Noah. God blessed him. You know, when Noah finished, when he got out of the ark, one of the first things Noah did was what? The Bible says he built an altar unto God. What does it mean to build an altar? I listened to what kids said about their parents, their fathers. Fathers who have built altars. Altars are a place of engagement, a place of encounter. Nobody encounters God without, without an altar. So Noah built altar. And God was so excited about what Noah did that the Bible says that the sweet-smelling silver of the sacrifices he made made God to make a promise to humanity. It says as long as it, the world remained, 
Seed time and harvest time will not what? Will not cease. Say heat and cold will not cease. Night and day will not cease because a man built altar unto God. But chapter 9 of Genesis is a different story about Noah. You know, Noah will have been the example of a complete father, except for chapter 9 of Genesis. What did chapter 9 of Genesis say? I'd like us to, to refer to it. Genesis chapter 9, verse 22. Genesis chapter 9, verse 22. I'm trying to get it myself. Genesis chapter 9. Okay, let me start from 20. You know, the Bible says, And Noah began to be an husband man, and he planted a vineyard, and he drank of the wine, and was drunken, and, was, and it was uncovered within his tent. You know, he didn't go to Beapalo. This happened right where? In his house. He was drunk in his house. And he uncovered himself. And when he uncovered himself, one of his sons saw him naked. And when Noah woke up, he was angry about the son that saw him naked. The man that the scripture describes as having found grace in the sight of God was ungracious. He pronounced what? A curse. And I checked the scripture. He didn't pronounce the curse on the offender. A man who witnessed judgment was unjust. Who did he pronounce the curse on? He pronounced the curse on Canaan. The man who saw him was who? Ham. I checked, the, I checked a number of references. Why would you pronounce a curse on a different person? He pronounced a curse on Canaan. It wasn't Canaan that saw him naked. It wasn't Canaan that reported him to his brethren. Why pronounce a curse on Canaan? Because Ham was blessed of God. You cannot curse a man that God has blessed. But Ham was the father of Canaan. He didn't protect his son. Like Job protected his own. The Bible says in the book of Job that every time Job made sacrifices should in case his son had done what? Offended God. That is the protection that the father must provide. Ham did not provide it. Racist theologians, they say we black people, we are descendants of who? Canaan. But no, there's a counter for that. The Bible says a cost, costless, should not what? Should not come. So, those who know their Lord, they will be strong and they do what? They will do exploits. They will counter that. They will counter that. That was Noah. What of Abraham? Somebody described him as, a, as, as what? As a friend of God. Abraham was described as a friend of God. It was God's confidant. God shared a lot of things with Abraham. There were two instances in the Bible that Abraham offended. And you know something? Each of those instances that Abraham offended, Abraham wanted to do it his own way. He was seeking his own interest. He told Pharaoh that Sarah was his sister, which was half-truth. 
He went into Hagar. Every time wanting to help himself. I checked the scriptures. Every time a man sought out to help himself outside the will of God, he only created more trouble for himself. Except that God intervened. Except that God intervened by, by attacking the, the household of Pharaoh with a plague. Sarah would have been defiled because of the step of, his, of her husband. And we all know the problem that Abraham created through Agar, which problem is still unsolved till today. Every time we want to help ourselves, every time we want to help ourselves, we end up what, complicating things for ourselves. When you corrupt yourself financially, wanting to help yourself, when you take certain steps that you should not take as a child of God, wanting to help yourself, you have only, in every case, you succeeded in complicating matters for yourself. There's a man called David. They said he was a man after God's heart. David was a man after God's heart. He was equally a father as well. You know the problem David caused his family through his adultery. It was bad enough that David went into adultery. But you know what was worse? His attempt to cover it. His attempt to cover it. His attempt to cover it took him into what? Murder. The Bible says in Proverbs, say he that covereth his sin shall not what? Shall not prosper. Very weighty. Said he that repented and for, confessed and forsaken shall obtain what? Mercy. And when you check contemporary history, every man who, has, who had attempted to cover their sins, they've got into trouble. Bill Clinton would have been the best president of America. Those who are in finance knew that Bill Clinton was one who left office with surplus, not deficit. His foreign policy, excellent. But he went into unrighteousness. He went into extramarital sex. And he wanted to cover it. So he swore, he, he, he lied under oath. And he impeached him. He's gone into his record. One of the president in the U.S. was impeached. There's a bad story that I read on BBC. You call it on, C on CNN. You can Google it. Sister Abshia or something in India. You will know that the devil has the devil has a sense of humor. That story was a story of a reverend father and a nun in a convent. I thought, when you choose to be a priest, it's a deliberate career choice. It's not for some people. I'm not, I'm not sure it's for some people. So these guys made a career choice of being a reverend father and a nun. And yet, they swore to celibacy, but yet they were engaging in, in sex. And in one of the convents, a lady who was a student saw the reverend father and the nun sleeping with themselves. And the only way to shut her up was what? To kill her. They killed her. They killed her. There were three witnesses to it. The Holy Spirit was a witness. That lady they killed was a witness. But there was another witness who they didn't know. They killed her and dumped her body in a well. Said she went and committed suicide. This case lingered in India for almost 27 years until last year. Because every time... They would bribe the police, just like Nigeria. They would do all kinds of things to ensure there was no justice. Until last year, 
Who was the witness against them? I don't know whether anybody in this church ever read that story. The witness against them was a burglar who was trying to burgle that kitchen. They didn't know. The guy came to burgle to steal copper wires. He saw the house going on. He saw the killing. Just imagine the devil raising a witness against his own people. And the witness who, who witnessed against them was a burglar. The devil has a, a, a very serious sense of humor. You and I should not walk in his steps. We should not walk in the devil's steps. Because he turns on his own. Anytime he turns on his own. That was David. So David committed adultery. And he, and he, and he, he sent Uriah to, to his grave. It was bad that he gave Uriah the death warrant. He carried his death warrant himself. And because of that, there was death in the house of David. Absalom killed Ammon. Solomon killed Adonijah. All kinds of things were happening. Blood was in his family because of that steps. What of Eli? And that's the last one I'm going to talk about, profiling the fathers. Eli. And I'd like us to open our Bibles to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 2. Every time I've read 1 Samuel, you know, I've only been, I've only, I've been bothered about, we, we are taught about discerning spirit, you know, the spirit of discernment. And each time I read the story of Anna's encounter with Eli, I put a question mark. This man, the prophet of God, the priest of God, did he have discerning spirit? How did he not know that Hannah was not drunk? But I need, we shouldn't leave it at that. In chapter 2, there were things said about Eli that every one of us, we should pray that such things never be said about us. Do you know what they said about his sons? They said his sons were sons of Belial. He didn't stop there. They said they didn't know the Lord. Meaning that some people were sons of Belial. They knew God though. But in his own case, he said, Ophni and Phineas were sons of Belial. And there was a, a, an addition that they did not know God. But what was striking to me in, 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 in the story of Eli is chapter 2 verse 33. Chapter 2 verse 33. If you can open our Bibles to it, particularly men, it will scare us to walk the narrow path to ensure that, look, we don't cause problems for our families. In chapter 2 verse 33, God has sent somebody to tell Eli what will happen to him. So I'm just trying to reduce it. And the man of thine, God was saying, any man of your household, whom I shall not cut off from my altar shall be to consume thine eyes and to grieve thine heart. And all the increase of thy house shall die in the flower of their age. What does that mean? God has pronounced a death sentence that they will not live beyond certain ages because Eli offended him. He didn't stop there. He didn't stop there. In verse 34, And this shall be a sign unto thee that shall come upon thy two sons, Ophni and Phineas, in one day they shall both die. Verse 35 is what I want you to take away. 
And I will raise me up a faithful priest that shall do according to that which is in my heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house and he shall walk before my anointed forever. Verse 36. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left in thy house shall come and crouch to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread. And shall say, put me, I pray thee, into one of the priest's offices that I may eat a piece of bread. That anyone who functions as a priest from the descendants of Eli will be only for survivor, not for ministration. That they will lack the anointing to minister. They will only be in office for what? For survivor, for bread. There are many such pastors and reverends in Lagos. That's why we must be wary. Under whose anointing do we sit? There are many of them who are descendants of Eli. Who God has said they are only in office for what? Cash and carry. They are not there for ministration. They can only minister death. They cannot minister life. Say, so put me in one of the priest's offices that I may do what? Eat bread. Praise the Lord. What makes a complete father? That's the second segment of, my, of this message. What makes a complete father? How can I become a complete father? How can I be a complete father? The first thing is brokenness. In the same Joel that we read, Joel chapter 2, I like us to read it. Brokenness. Brokenness. We need to be broken. You know, I visited the prison. When they want to break a man in prison, what do they do to that man? First of all, they isolate him, solitary confinement. They deny him visit, no visit. They are trying to break a man. In some cases, they deny him sleep. They put light on 24-7 so that the man can't sleep. That is the world's way of what? Breaking a man. How does Jesus break? How, how, how does God, how does he break us? Because before we can conform to him, we need to be what? Broken. Joel chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. The Bible says, the Lord is nigh unto them who, what? who are broken in their hearts. God is near to those who are broken in their hearts. Psalm 34, verse 18, what does it say? It says, the Lord is nigh to them who are broken in their hearts. Joel says, rain your heart, not what? Not your garment. God expects us to be broken. How can we be broken? The first step is, we have to have the knowledge and experience of God's overwhelming love. There's nothing that breaks a man that, that is knowledge and experience that God's love is overwhelming. That was the experience that Paul had that made him, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, says, I am crucified with Christ. Oh, that was a man who was so learned. That was a man who was holding the clothes of those who, who stoned Stephen to death. He now said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. He said, it's no longer me. It's not me living. It's Jesus who lives in me. He said, I live by the grace of the Son of God who loved me and who loved me and did what? And gave himself for me. That's, that was what broke Paul. The knowledge of God's overwhelming love. 
The second thing that can break a man is the knowledge and experience of God's overwhelming capability. God's overwhelming capability. That was the experience of Peter. Oh, a man had fished all night without catching. That was his trade. You know, when a man does not succeed, going home is difficult. A man who didn't sleep all night, they rewanted his boat, he was available. Because going home was difficult. All night, he didn't catch anything. What will he take home? And after Jesus had used his boat, he said to him, cast your net for a draught. Thank God he obeyed him. And when he cast his net for a draught, the Bible said, the, the, the net caught so much fish that the net was breaking. What did Peter, what was Peter's response? He says, depart from me. And what? I'm a sinful man. Knowledge and experience of God's overwhelming capability. That if I obey this man, he's not limited. That was what broke Peter. Knowledge and experience of God's overwhelming capability. What of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus will qualify as the custom man in Nigeria today, or the policeman, or immigration man. Very wealthy, making money by all means. A lot of them crooked. And he sought to see Jesus, not to encounter him. Get it right. Zacchaeus only sought to what? To see him, not to encounter him. He was interested in spectacle. The Bible said he climbed the tree. And when Jesus got to the foot of the tree that Zacchaeus was, he said, today I do what? I will abide in your house. That was what broke Zacchaeus. How can him, how can Jesus abide in my house? How can light seek out darkness? How can righteousness seek out unrighteousness? How can Jesus abide in my house? You know, you know Zacchaeus was not listed in any Sunday school class before he started restitution. He didn't, he didn't go for discipleship. Instantly, he started what? Restitution. He said, if I have taken anything from any man, no Sunday school class, I will restore how many times? Four times. An experience of God's, a knowledge of God's outreach and interest in him. You can read that in Luke chapter 19. The last one is knowledge and experience of the miraculous. Knowledge and experience of the miraculous. There's a story that is common that we all know in John chapter 9. Of the man who was born blind. Everybody was puzzled about that man, including the leaders, including the disciples. They asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? Jesus said, no, none of them did. And when Jesus healed the man, the Pharisees made every attempt to make the guy recount. There was just one word he said to them. He said, one thing I know, once I was blind, but now I can see. You can't take that away from that, that man. Knowledge of God's, knowledge and experience of, of, of God's ability to do miracles. And you can examine our lives. 
how it breaks you. God's overwhelming love can break you. God's overwhelming intervention in your life, circumstances, and situation can break you. And should break you, really. So how do we, what's our path to being a complete father? Brokenness. The second one is our life must be soaked in the word of God. The Bible says we should let the word of God do what? Dwell in us richly. You should let the word of God dwell in us richly. Says we should let the word of God dwell in us richly. Proverbs 4, 4 says, says let, thine, let, 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 let thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and do what? And live. Let your heart retain my words. Suggesting that there's a possibility that our heart will not retain the word of God. Say, let thy heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and do what? And live. Someone says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I may know what? Sin against you. So when, when we're encouraged to read the Bible, when we're encouraged to do our quiet time, it is just to protect us, to protect us that we not sin against God. So we need to soak ourselves in the word. Our life must be lived on the altar, altar of prayer. There's nothing impossible for God to do. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a witness, I'm a testimony to that. God can turn tables on your, on your behalf. God can turn tables on your behalf. Whether it's career, whether it's business, there's nothing God cannot do. The pronouncement of Jesus that with God nothing is impossible is true and real. If you have not experienced it, you can pray to God to make you experience it. A life lived in the light. And the last one is a life lived in the light. A life lived in the light. In first epistle of John, chapter 1, verses 6 to 7, he says, if we do what? Walk in the light as he is in the light. We do what? We have fellowship one with another. It must be purposeful. Oh, I know Nigeria is, I know there's unrighteousness in Nigeria. I know there's a lot of temptations in Nigeria. But you must make up your mind to do what? To walk in the light. It is, it is walking in the light that gives you access. You know, for most of my life I was a, from, I, I was a banker. I was in the banking business. And I got into leadership very early in banking, to the glory of God. Every time I've got into leadership, somebody has showed up in my office to counsel me on how to help myself. Every time. This is your opportunity. This is your opportunity. Every time. The last one. Even use the exact word, I'm ready to be your front. You know, he said, you offer to be my, my front. And to show his market serviness, he was benchmarking with other colleagues who had fronts and was naming their fronts for me. The Bible says you must live your life in the light. So if, we, if, if, if we walk in the light, I see in the light. Say we have what? Fellowship with one another. That's the only way you can have fellowship with him. Praise the Lord. So what is expected of a complete father? Oh, it's time up.
I started late a bit. Praise the Lord. In, in three, four minutes, I should be done. Now, what is expected of a complete father? There's a story I'm going to leave us with. A complete father prepares for the future. He prepares for the future. You know, one of the exciting stories I've read in the Bible is a guy called Basilia, 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 in 2 Samuel chapter 19, when David was returning after, you know, he fled from Absalom. After Absalom's death, David was returning. Basilia was one man who founded David when David was in exile. So when David was returning, he went and welcomed David. And David said to him, ah, join me. This man was 80 years old. He said, join me. Ah, no, the man said, no, 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 no. He said, even your food you will serve will not have taste in my mouth. I'm 80 years old. He said, but look something. This is my son. Take him with you. Oh, check it in the Bible. Second Samuel chapter 19, verses 35 to 39. You know, Basilea, a complete father prepares for the future. He prepares his kids. He prepares himself. There are some things I'm guilty of too. There are men who are 50, who are 60 years old. They've never written a will. We are not preparing for the future. If you are in the future, is real. The future is real. Basilia said, look, my son will do better. I wish the people in Abuja would hear that. You know, he offered his son rather than himself. He prepared for the future. A complete father protects. He protects. He protects. When Brani was speaking, he made reference to that. You can see effort that Abraham made to protect Lot. When he had a lot was what? Kidnapped by some people. Effort that David made to go and recover his wife and children. A complete father protects. You protect spiritually. You won't do what harm did. You pray for them. You pray with them. You teach them the word of God. You counsel them. The easiest way to counsel anybody is to get counsel from that person himself. Open yourself to them, they open themselves to you. A complete father protects. A complete father provides. The Bible says in Timothy that anybody who does not provide for his household has what? Denied the faith. Says worse than an infidel. And lastly, a complete father is a leader, follower. Because if, if, if you keep leading and making mistakes, people will question your leadership, even as a father. You want a leader who leads right. So you're interested. This man leading me, what does he depend on? What are his own navigational tools? What compass does he use? I have a son who is, who, who is who I can describe as somewhat very independent minded. And every time he makes a wrong decision because he relies a lot more 
on the counsel of his friends or his peers. So my wife and I would tell him, hey, look, we are stakeholders. Your friends are not stakeholders. If, if anything doesn't work out, they move on. But we are stuck with you. We are stakeholders. So that's why you should listen to our counsel. One day, he was going to go to, he was applying to a, 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 a well, in America they call it graduate school, a, for postgraduate. So he had filled out his form, the schools they had chosen. We had prayed. And the Holy Spirit laid on our hearts that, look, ask him to hide this school, this particular school. So he added that school. Last minute. In fact, the day, the day uh, uh, submission of forms will close. That's where, that was when he added. When, when results came out, it was the school that we, had, we asked him to hide that offered him admission. All the other schools, none. Some didn't reply him to tomorrow, meaning that he was on the waiting list. Such things hang you as a father. Respect. That look, take the car. So this time around, when he wants to take a step, he will call us to pray. You know? <laughs> a, a, a complete father is a leader. But is equally what? A follower. He draws from a source. And you can let them know the source. I've taken a lot of time. I'd like us to bow our heads. We're going to pray that God will make us complete fathers. And if you have made serious mistakes in your fatherhood journey, I'd like you to talk to God that Lord because the Bible says in Isaiah that he will make the crooked path straight. Make this crooked path straight. Take, talk to God. It may be in your marriage. Maybe in your parenting. Maybe in your career. Maybe in your business. You have made mistakes. Grievous mistakes. You can ask God to make all your crooked path straight. That is the beauty of the God we serve. He can change situations for you. He can transform things for you. That's the beauty of the God we serve. You can invite him and say, Lord, change my situation. Transform this experience in the name of Jesus. Today is Father's Day. Cause me to know this day for good in the name of Jesus. Set me right as a father. Help me to be a father that has respect, that is respected. Oh, I saw the testimony of those women. I saw the testimony of those children. Help me, Lord, to be a father that is so respected, so acknowledged. Oh, so appreciated. Pray to God about it. He will make it happen in your life in the name of Jesus. And if there's anybody here who does not know Jesus and wants to know him, you want to know him, you can just bow your heads and pray to God. Invite Jesus into your life to turn your darkness to light. To make things well. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share with your people. They are praying now. You know what we are praying for as individuals. For those who want salvation, Father, save them. In your mercy, save them. In the name of Jesus. For those who have made mistakes, whose paths are crooked and you want to make straight, Father, make their crooked paths straight. In the name of Jesus. Father, illuminate their lives. Thank you, Lord. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.